0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: We're fixing to have us a good
0: day.
1: This is Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Zach Blackerby, Michael Papp is here with you. Today's show is going to be the second part of our conversation with former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell. If you did not hear the first part of it, go ahead to yesterday's show and then come back uh, to, to listen to this one. So, uh, yeah, we're going to jump right back into it with Michael asking him a question.
0: You've brought up your NFL career uh, a few times and how your time in the NFL is different. Um, you played for the Redskins, the Raiders, the Bears, the Browns, and the Bengals. Um, those, are, those might be the five worst run organizations in the NFL. <laughs> Um, yeah, was that intentional after a certain point? Were you just like, I'm just going to go? Because, I mean, the Browns were the fourth team you played for. Like, come on.
2: Yeah, it was tough, man. Uh, you know, in Washington, every year my numbers went up, even with all the chaos, um, you know, going on around me. But at uh, the same time, you know, yeah, I enjoy living in D.C. Uh, then I go to Oakland. You know, Oakland had a winning quarterback since Rich Gannon, and then I go twelve and seven as a starter. And the first year we we're eight and eight, and I start twelve games and go eight and four. And then the next year, um, you know, we played. Next year we start off five and two, four and two, five and two, and I break my collarbone. And uh, you know, this thing I know they traded someone while I'm in surgery, so you learn really quick about the NFL business and you thought it was all about a. We need a winning player to win get there. You have to change, change their mindset and, and trying to show leadership to win. And things are going that direction. And they still make a trade. It just blows your mind. And then it doesn't even get better after that. So, you know, then you go to these other teams, man. It's just like chaos. You know, yeah, I'm coming from Auburn where I'm used to like winning. And then you know, Washington. We had two years we went to the playoffs. But then you go to Oakland and then you're trying to win. And we're turning things that used to be bad, and now things are going good. And then I say, you get that real stuff from under you again. So it was just kind of like a yo-yo. And, uh, you know, I wish I could have got an opportunity to be with a coordinator for a lot longer and uh, not have to go through so many changes. Because even after 10 years in the league, I got offered to go back and play at least another two, three years. I was just burnt out. I was burnt out from having to learn all the offenses, dating all the way back from college to the pros. And uh, it just kind of wore on me a little bit, kind of got tired. And I just didn't feel like having to do it all over again. And uh, so I just decided the time was to move on and do something else in life.
1: How many coordinators did you play for, Jason?
2: Ooh, if I have to do a resume, I would probably say four in college. uh,
1: Four different in college. college. I mean, that is crazy. (laughs) Eleven different offenses?
2: Yeah, eleven different offenses out of 14 years of football.
1: Which one do you think fit you the best?
2: I think the one in Washington uh, when I was under Al Funder, uh, just because it was a big arm type offense, and I was only got opportunity to experience a little bit of it, and it hurt my knee. Yeah. Uh, but I would really probably say the one in Oakland. Um, I had a lot of success in Oakland. Uh, I know he Jackson did do very well at Cleveland, but in Oakland as offensive coordinator, he did an outstanding job. You know, he was putting up a lot of points per game. He was scoring almost 30 a game. Um, and then, you know, it was putting up over crazy numbers. He oh, was top 10 in almost every category the uh, two years since I was out there and then uh, and everything. And I feel like that offense did me because it kind of reminded me of Harvard. You know, we had a lot of big receivers at Oakland, and we had a lot of fast guys. When I was in Washington it was a lot of shorter guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't many big guys like I had at Oakland. That's what I was used to in college. You know, Courtney Taylor, Anthony Mitz. Being on my mind, they were Devin and Roman, all these guys were... You know, it's tall guy, you know, and uh, they can go up and tackle football. And that was the difference between Washington and Oakland. I felt back at home in Oakland because all my receivers were 6'2", 6'3", you know, big receiver guys can go get the football, and that makes a huge difference in a lot of ways because, you know, when you're playing against those defensive linemen, there's some of them seven and six, and, you know, coming at you, you know, to be able to still see your target. And, uh, and everything, and, and not have to be so accurate with the football when you have a shorter guy with a bigger DB on it. You got bigger guys, there's more room for error. You can kind of put a ball up sometimes and just let them go and get it.
1: Who is the best wide receiver that you ever got to play with?
2: Uh, man, that's a tough one. I know it. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. You know, Santana was a really good receiver. He's fast, uh, he can run, um, and everything. I, I had him really
1: in fantasy receiver. a lot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know Santana. He's good. Uh, (laughs) Brendan Marshall was a guy that I was around in Chicago. Yeah, that uh, man. This guy, man, he he could go get a football. Mm -hmm. Like his attack on the football, uh, along with his size, just kind of separates him. Like I've seen him just beat up DB, and uh, you know because his size was so big. But not only that, this guy could attack the football. His he had hands. It's like uh, like. Once the ball hit his glove it just stuck. So I would probably say, you know, him him and uh, Santana at that at that level was two of the better guys that I played with at the position.
0: When was the last time that you threw a football?
2: <laughs> uh I was preparing this year to, to throw down in the spring for the uh, the, the, the the throwback oh, game. Yeah. Last year I coached and I was offensive coordinator and uh and everything. But this year yeah, I was preparing to play a little bit, and uh, of course that got wiped out, so I started to pick up the football about a week um, into March. I said, well, you know, I want to go out there and just because people have these high expectations, no matter if you've been out of football <laughs> five years, they expect you, <laughs> they expect you to throw so far. I said, Even though it was a fun game, I was like, they expect something, so I was just like, man, let me start throwing a little bit of a football so I don't embarrass myself, but <laughs> that's probably the last time I touched the football.
1: Is it like riding a bike? Did it come back pretty quick?
2: Uh, something. Uh, Not maybe throwing it so far down the field, but you're throwing the ball within five and ten yards. Yeah, that was pretty good.
0: How far can you but throw? Throwing
2: up? ball down the field, got my arm sore. How I f- have a guess now. I still, I still could, if I had to go back and play in the NFL, I could still throw it and still be successful. Um, I could still probably throw it at least 65 yards, 70 yards in the air at my age. I still could have good velocity on the ball if I wanted to go back and like and do that, but so those days long gone. Like thinking about it, but it's just just to let you know, like yeah, I still have, so, I still have enough orange.
0: So right now, you could throw it fifty-five yards in the air. What could like I, I guess at your strongest, how far could you throw it in the air?
2: Well, back in the day, I threw it. I think it was like seventy-seven yards one time. Uh, somebody got me at um, out in practice. Uh, in the air, where it goes in the air, and where it falls at. Um, so that was, you know, that's pretty strong. And there's a couple of games in my NFL career. Uh, you know, people look back at 2000 and gosh, I want to say 2008. You know, we playing the Saints, and uh, hit Santana Moss. I think I threw that ball about 60 some yards in the air on the post route for a game winner. Um, so I've had a couple of games where I've launched um, before and, and everything, which was pretty fun. But it's I bet.
1: I, I bet that's like the best feeling in the world. <laughs> and then like once it connects, and yeah. you know, you, you end up winning the game because of it.
2: All right. Yeah, we had a couple at Auburn, though what Devin the Roman. should do hitting him down the field. Uh, you know, I'd probably say my biggest moment, though that I really enjoy. Yes, I had a couple game winners in the NFL where people go crazy, but I'd probably say, man, in college, um, that LSU games just always sticks with me
1: because yeah.
2: we weren't able to. People don't realize how hard it was. We weren't able to practice outside that whole week. It was a hurricane week, Hurricane Ivan. So kids had left campus. They had already shut school down. So we were staying at the conference center at the time. And uh, we did walk-throughs every day. We did walk-throughs, room walkthroughs, throughs room, film study, all that. So Friday came, and they still had decided they were going to play the game. Tennessee, and um, man, I just remember that crowd going crazy, and he showed you how experienced our football team was. That's when I knew we had something special. because yeah. like, We didn't even practice outside, but guys knew how to study and prepare and connect and take it from the practice field, I mean, take it from the film room to the field without even practicing that week before practice. That's when I knew I said, okay, we have an experienced football team, and most teams can't just do that. And LSU was able to do it. We was able to do it. It was a knockout, drug out, win the game at the end. And, uh, and to me, that kind of charmed the moment for us that knew that 2004 year is going to be an awesome year.
1: We'll jump back into our conversation with Jason in just a moment. Want to give a shout-out to our friends at rockauto.com. You can check out RockAuto.com for all of your vehicular needs. I mentioned it in the show yesterday. I mean, even even if your, uh, your your tailgate gets taken away or any part of your car goes missing for whatever reason, or or obviously if you need a repair, RockAuto.com is going to be able to help you. And I I went over there just to, to to check out the site because I like to check things out before I talk about it uh, to kind of give you guys the best uh, best messaging possible, but. I'm not a car guy, and it's very easy to use, and it's very easy to navigate. So be sure to head over to rockauto.com and write Locked On uh, in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Once again, that is rockauto.com. Also, want to give some love to our friends at Frisky Whiskey, just over into Georgia. I know uh, most of, uh, well, not most, a third of your the, the listenership comes from uh, around the Atlanta area. So, whenever you guys are coming back into town for Auburn games this fall, fingers crossed if that happens, I think it's going to, be sure to uh, stop by Frisky Whiskey for all of your alcoholic beverage Needs it's significantly cheaper if you go two miles over into Alabama. Uh, the difference is absolutely crazy. I mean, we're talking about like almost twenty dollars difference as far as the taxes. It's it's crazy. So check out Frisky Whiskey. Search them on social media and uh, tell them uh, tell them Locked On Auburn sent you. Yeah, we were talking about that game a few weeks ago. We were doing um, a list show like the top ten most clutch plays in Auburn football history, and of course that. That that last drive, I mean, definitely made it on there. But that was that's one of the most physical games I've ever watched. I can't imagine playing in it. So, I mean, I totally believe you when you're like, yeah, two weeks later, I'm still feeling that.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking about, man, hard-hitting guys. You know, LSU was bringing a thunder. You know, Saban at that time, he loved to blitz you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was 4th and twelve. and uh, I remember Coach Borges, he said, look, they're going to come with a blitz. It's going to be an all-out blitz. It's going to be blitz zero. So he said we can't have you in the pocket. So he, we have to move outside the pocket. He said we're going to run a sprint pass. And we're going to put combat on the outside. So they're going to be in man coverage, and they expect when well, they expect to bring zero blitz. They expect it to be a short pass, like a slant or something. Because we did it earlier in the game. And so when they brought all that blitz, we used in a sprint pass. So we used to protect it. We knew they were going to bring one more that we could block, but they brought it from the from the boundary side. So the corner came. So, but we sprinted to the right, and as we sprinted to the right, I, um, I just remember Courtney Taylor getting into his route, and then I kind of knew where he was at, but I knew I was about to get hit. So I knew I couldn't hold the ball, so I ended up letting the ball go just a little bit sooner, but to the outside, um, where we practiced that, where I kind of felt like what he would be able to put a little air on it so when he come out of it, he could adjust to it. Because if I throw a hard rocket, then he's not going to have an opportunity to see it out of his break. So I just put a little air on it. I mean, I remember just getting whacked. And uh, I didn't even see him catch the ball or anything. I just remember hearing the crowd just go crazy and uh, getting up and saw the refs taking for first down and uh, and everything. And then we got to the situation where it was now it's third down and time is ticking. You know, everyone can hear Rob Brampton. So you go back and hear the replay. Of course, I couldn't. A little period time, but you can hear the replay. Yeah. And at the time, it sounds so intense on the uh, so intense on on the listen to him. When I, look at the, when I listen back, but on the field, everything just felt so calm. And, you know, Cadillac was sprinting out to the outside. We sprinted them out to the left. We went empty, and we did that on purpose because we were trying to spread their DBs out in safety so we can attack the middle of the field. And the play was designed to either go to Ben or go to Courtney. And we called it double-stick knot. And uh, so my job was to watch the safety, try to pump the safety to Ben if I could, and then go to Courtney to beat the, to beat the slot guy. That's exactly what happened. You know, being did an outstanding job. being actually opened up that route for Courtney because he ran his route so exceptionally well. It drew the DB with a quick pump towards Ben. He went for Ben and left Courtney in the back of the end zone in the split. So it was great play design by our coaching staff. And, uh, man, that was just an awesome moment and, and and everything. There was so many clutch plays. Like you said, there were so many clutch plays in that game, man. The run by Ronnie Brown in the fourth quarter was huge. You know, the catch by Cadillac. You it was huge. Um, so it was just so many play after play that everything that went that wouldn't happen to go for a touchdown, even though it was a 10 and 9 game, I could point out by 20 plays in that game, that was big time plays that's between the line of scrimmage that people don't really pay attention to.
1: When you look back and, and talk to, I'm, I'm sure you talked to still several of those guys from, from that team, that 04 team. You already mentioned your, your relationship with, with Cadillac. Does it ever talk, do you guys ever talk about or, or think about, you know, it, the fact that it's crazy that that team is not seen as a national champ?
2: Oh, yeah. We talk about it all the time. We never understood how come we not claimed as national champs and, uh, and that thing was just in vacant. I said it's not like there wasn't a team that was deserving and honorable. <laughs> I was like, you did everything that we supposed to do to play a national championship game. I was just like, our SEC won the net seven after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, our football team kind of changed the mindset of how the playoff system is. Um that's when all the playoff talk started. It was that year? It was us, Utah, and Oklahoma and USC, and there was four undefeated teams and uh, and everything. And that's when the whole conversation got going. And of course, you know, like five, six years later, they end up cementing the playoff system. So, you know, we definitely feel like we changed. Uh, we changed. We changed uh, the game. Uh, from a playoff standpoint, to give more teams an opportunity to to compete for a national championship, but you know we've seen Alabama claim national championships and, and everything that wouldn't even lesser teams than what we did and uh, and everything. So it would be an honor, you know, to be to be signified as one of the great teams, man. Because we were one of the top fifty teams, I think, in college history or whatever, or top one hundred. I think we was like fifty something. And uh, you know, I'm a little biased. I think we should be higher. But at the same time, you know, it was uh it was a special year that I never forget my teammates and all of us, and you we know, a special bond, all of us still communicate, we all of us still talk and uh you know, it, it was a fun. It was a fun year.
0: Yeah, I uh I always forget that no one won the national championship that year. <laughs> that uh that just didn't happen. It's tough.
2: Yeah, right, And that's just and that's just saying like that just it makes no sense, you know. <laughs> so so you would be okay uh,
0: because, with 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 Auburn
1: coming out, if Alan Green came out and said, "Hey, we're now claiming the 04 season as uh, national champs. You you guys would be okay with that?"
2: Yeah, we'd definitely be okay with that cuz the whole thing is like, why not? You know, like why do we feel like we got to be punished for for doing something we're supposed to do, you know, for going out and like if people don't notice, that's when Auburn started getting a lot of huge recruits. Was after that season.
1: Well, I mean, so half like of y'all getting... went in the in the first round, so <laughs> you know, I'm sure all these guys <laughs> so, wanted to wanted yeah. to
2: play at Auburn. Yeah, but so, you know, we kind of changed the recruiting process Yes, Auburn is always a good recruiting team, but our classes will always be ranked like 15 to like 22 or something in the nation. But after that year. Auburn classes was mostly ranked top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10. And that's because, you know, I hear a lot of guys say, man, I came to Auburn because watching y'all back in 04 and, you know, like y'all was one of my favorite teams one of my favorite players and everything. And even when I was in the NFL, guys would come in, you know, I'm seven years in the league, like, man, I should play with you, you know, on college football, NBA and everything. and <laughs> I was one of my favorite teams I was like thank you for making me feel older <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was it was that way and um, and everything and you was like wow you know yes Auburn has always been a great football school from the Bo Jackson era to you know early in This when they had a great team in 93 and you know and everything And but for whatever reason when you were playing on more TV games at that time you know and more internet at that time you know we kinda kinda set the stage a little bit for for having high end recruits that, that come there. And uh, you know, I've had many guys say that, you know, back in the day when Cam and I used to know each other a little bit, you know, he was a he was you know, we would get together early on in my pro career when he first got in the league because he wanted to know more about, you know, the pro level and everything, adapting and all of that and everything. So it made me realize, like, man, these kids really watch everything you do. Now they really watch everything you do because of Instagram and everything else that's going
1: on. We'll continue our conversation with Jason Campbell, former Auburn quarterback, in just a moment. want to uh, encourage folks to go to auburnpodcast.com. We are currently running a flash sale on uh, on uh, on on the Teespring site that the auburnpodcast.com link will redirect you to. We'll also put a link... In the episode description, when this uh, when this podcast goes up, but I've had a few of you guys ask about merch and swag, and so we have some of that there. It's thirty percent off through Sunday, starting today, which is uh, it's Thursday morning as we record this. So, uh, yeah, hope hope you guys can check that out. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Did you, uh, you know, there when, when Bo Nix was named the starting quarterback, all these pictures came out of, like, him celebrating the 2010 season with, with Cam, uh, did you know Bo <laughs> growing up? Was he around the program when when you were quarterback too?
2: I didn't know Bo growing up, but Bo told me when I first met him. I walked up to him and I like, "What's up, Bo?" and everything. He was like, "Hey, what's up, Mr. Campbell?" And I was like, hey, "Dude, no, what's up, Mr. Campbell?" He's like, yeah, man, he was one of my favorite teams, man. Like, I I used to watch y'all all the time." He's like, "Man, I used to be glued to the TV when you was playing and, uh, and everything." And you know, knowing his dad is you know, Patrick. You know who I know well. As it uh, was kind of, it's kind of unique, you know, to hear him say that. Thinking like, "Dude, it's 15 years later." But so I mean, <laughs> at that time, you had to be about three. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and uh, and hear him talk about being glued to the TV at that age. It kind of reminded me of when my dad. My dad was a coach, and uh, I was always around the game as well. So it kind of reminded me. When he said that like. No, I believe it because I was glued to TV as a young kid, and glued to anything my older brothers and anything did in a sport because that's how I was. Because I was always around it, and my dad was always studying game tapes at home on teams and everything that we had to play. So I learned study habits at an early age for like preparing for the NFL. I mean, preparing for for high school ball and college ball. Like so, it wasn't a foreign language to me. So I can relate to both. In that aspect of understanding, understanding, having that that understanding.
0: When guys on the team are going to wear number seventeen, do you uh, sit them down and give them a talking to about like <laughs> you know not to uh, besmirch the your uh, besmirch? Yeah, your are you know that's a I don't know it's a sacred number. I'm yeah. sure he says to not besmirch. It. Okay, sorry. I'm sure he
2: <laughs> says that. I tell you what, seventeen is a special number. It's a dear number to my heart. Uh, I always, you know, like guys wear it. I was kind of looking to like who's wearing it. For whatever reason, I see more receivers wearing the number than, than quarterbacks and uh, and everything. So I just like, you know, when I look out on the field, I'm like, hey, that one seven looks pretty good. That's a good number. Um, but you know, my intent when I first came to Auburn was to wear seven. People don't know this. Uh-huh. I uh, came to Auburn on my crew visit. I had on number seven. Uh, that's what number I wore in high school was number seven. I was number seven in football and three in basketball. So I was recruited to come to Auburn to play both sports. And I was supposed to play both sports. And then, of course, after the football season was over with my freshman, freshman year, of course, Tuberville would come to me and talk about, well, you want to compete for a starting job for the next four years. You need to be out here with your teammates. I just like, what well, so you promised me I could play both sports. I, like, I love basketball. It was my first love. Basketball was actually my first love before football. And uh, so I ended up just having to let that go. And then Dancy was the other one. Dancy was supposed to be playing basketball with me as well. And uh, he was coming off a state championship the year before. And my team was 29-3 and three or something that year. And we got upset. It. So I ended up uh, just, um, you know, like I said, sticking to the quarterback position. But at the same time, when I do see guys wear the 1 7. I just want guys to understand that when you wear that number, man, you go through some things, but you keep going and you persevere through some things. You don't just stop and everything. And I just want guys to know, like, man, this is, you know, even when you wear like 24 and the 23, you know, the reason 34 is retired a high, 2 is retired is a high, 7 is retired is a high, but there's other guys that had to to be high. I finished seventh my year. Um, but Because I shared the ball a lot with running Cadillac, neither one of us was going to win the Heisman. And that's just the way it was. We was perfectly fine with that because it was all about winning for us and, uh, and everything. So we knew it was impossible to put up crazy, crazy numbers because we split the ball up so much and uh, and everything. But to just be in the finalists and, and on the top ten list and everything, it meant a lot. But at the same time, I don't think people realize how much you have to go through from all the stuff I had to learn to be where I ended up. And uh, I just want guys to take pride when they wear that number and work hard, and and talk as less but work as hard. And let your let your talking, I mean, let your walking do the talking for you by how hard you play. And even when it's good, you play hard. Even when it's bad, you hang in there. You know, you just keep going. So just understanding the history of the game. That's why I tell guys man, you've got four years, you're renting that seat and the four years you're at Auburn, what are you going to do with those four years in that seat? That's going to make you be seen in it Auburn history or what's going to make a difference for the guy that's coming behind you. That's going to take that same seat. And he's got four years to rent that seat. So you got four years to do something special and to make history while you're there. And uh, that's what I always tell the guys, you know, just, look at it as an opportunity because it doesn't last long. It's quick.
1: Jason, we kept you uh, we kept you a bit longer than we thought this morning. Thank you so much for your time, man. We really, really appreciate it. What are you up to these days, man?
2: man I do a podcast show um, called Believe in Auburn, B-L-E-A-V, uh, Believe in Everything Auburn. Um, and so I do that with Taylor Beth Davis, who is an Auburn graduate as well. So we cover everything in Auburn. People uh, who people want to go to our podcast, Instagram is One 17 Twitter is uh, capital J-C, um, lowercase a-m, underscore 17. So, I man, I'm just trying to stay in the game as, as far as soaking up knowledge and getting it out to people. And uh, I do radio stuff, and I also do, like, you know, I go around speaking to high schools and everything uh, during football season. But I'm also a high school coach here at Jones Creek High School. I do quarterbacks, so I'm a voluntary coach. But those are some of the things that I'm into now and uh, working on trying to get into some real estate. So, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, just be more active and do some things I really like.
1: Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we can do this again soon, man.
2: I appreciate You guys have a good one.
1: Awesome stuff from Jason Campbell. Thank you so much for your time, brother. We really appreciate it. Follow Michael on Twitter, at CouchBaptato. Follow me on Twitter at ZBlackery. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnAuburn. And on Instagram at AuburnPodcast. Also, rate the show on iTunes if you don't mind. It would really, uh, really help us out a ton. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Auburn. It's
0: the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.